This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Green light 3-0 and she's gone! Hello, welcome to The 3-0 Show. I'm Bridget Rowley. I'm here with Eno Saris. It is Thursday, September 14th, 2023. Two and a half weeks to go, give or take, of the regular season. We've got people clinching. We've got divisions decided. And we have chaos in other areas of the sport. We're going to dive into some of that. A huge injury to the Rangers. Max Scherzer, we're going to get into. This was Eno's suggestion, and it's terrific. What do we remember about the season? What will we take with us? I think everybody has something a little bit different, depending on who you watch, who you root for, who you hate, what you appreciate. There's going to be a lot to discuss with that because this was a such an interesting season, the first season under baseball's new rules, which now feels like we've been playing with them for 10 years. But it's really only been since April. So, Eno, how are you on this lovely little morning? Morning for Eno, afternoon here for me. What's new? What's exciting? We miss Derek. That much is, is we don't even have to say it. <laughs> Derek, come back. <laughs> yeah, all, all is well here. Uh, the uh, uh, Felix, uh, my older uh, son, is has a broken wrist, but we have continued his throwing program. Ah. So yesterday uh, he managed to get to 30 strikes in our bullpen session. Uh, and uh, so people are happy in the household here. I love that we just got a medical, like, legit baseball update on Eno's kid. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, it's still still three to six till he gets oh. the, uh, the 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 splint off of his non dominant hand. But uh, and he may miss all of fall ball, which he's not excited about. But uh, we're gonna watch some games for his teammates and cheer them on, and uh, maybe keep score, which is uh, how I got into to baseball same, myself. Same. Same. Fall ball. I love it. Yesterday I was on foul territory. I guess hosted for my friend Scott Braun with AJ Brzezinski and Eric Kratz. And off air, AJ Brzezinski and Eric were talking about their their kids who are a little older as well and fall ball and the pros and cons of it. And I have a one year old and I just was like, man, I can't wait until my kid's old enough for fall ball. I know there's all kinds of headaches, right? I have my weekends. I can do what I want still. I got to bring him, but I can. You know? Oh, it is uh, like I, I don't think that I've ever I, if there is a possibility of being saturated and having maybe too much baseball, it comes sometimes sometime around October when one both kids are in fall ball and I'm watching the playoffs on my phone while I'm watching their games <laughs> and maybe having to post something, you know, on my phone from a game as a parent taking them to batting practice, taking them to practice, talking to them when we get home, playing MLB The Show with them when we get home, putting on, you know, playoff games when we get home. It's like, oh, my God, this is a lot of baseball. (laughs) This is maybe I've hit my limit. Oh, God. But this is such a great time of the year, in my opinion. Sports are starting. The weather is turning, at least where I am, uh, right outside of Baltimore. And we are getting into fall baseball, which means we are getting into playoff spots. Last night, you know, the Braves, an absolute juggernaut. They won their sixth straight NL East title. You know, they went and said the right things. The job is not done. We know they are a very good team. Uh, so certainly let's give them their due. But it's it's so fascinating because Ronald Acuna Jr. posts this big celebration video on his Instagram. And he says, quote, if you don't like it, stop it. If you can't stop it, admire it. If you can't admire it, keep it down so everyone else can enjoy the show. Then 
Philly's manager, Rob Thompson, I don't know how this got brought up, said on some morning show on the radio, I like my guys to act like they've been there. Which approach do you like? And are we getting old, like very old, old man on my lawn? Like, can guys not flaunt after they clinch? Is it not enough? Because, they, you know, the, the Phillies were in the World Series last year, not the Braves. Where do you stand? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. The Braves also won the World Series recently, True. and they have been there. So it's just weird because, you know, acting like you've been there uh, is, is kind of, it can be boring. I mean, you so you want someone to, like, clinch the NL East and be like, well, you know, the real job is to get to the World Series. So, you know, I don't care. Yeah. Right? Like, right? Like, like if you're a fan, that's what you want? I don't want that. I want to see them. Did you see Michael Harris? Yeah. Yeah. I want to see that, dude. I want to see them maybe a little drunk. I don't know. You know, like, I want to see them, like, doing weird dances yes. and, uh, and, and spraying each other and, and having fun. So I, uh, acting like they've been there... Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I have some sympathy for the pitcher sometimes when the hitter is is celebrating a lot. Um, but uh, I, I think that failure is a is a part of the game. You have to allow that other person to celebrate what they've done, and you have to separate that from the bad feeling that you have in that moment that you gave up that homer. And you have to be able to say, okay, I gave up that homer. It's not his fault that he's celebrating. He's just celebrating. That he did something good, and I need to be better. You know, it's these are separate feelings. I think we conflate them. We feel bad and we see the person celebrating. And we think we feel bad because the person is celebrating, right? And it's that that's not the case. They're just celebrating at separate from you feeling bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also, like, to me, like, baseball is maybe the only sport that has this debate. I know in football for a long time, people really took issue and maybe still do with touchdown celebrations, right? Like, act like you've been there. But to me, when you clinch a division, no one is now going to rally. My issue in football is it's seven to nothing. The game ain't over yet. You shouldn't be acting like you won the game, right? But and also, do you, if you celebrate like a just you defended a pass or like you yeah. tackled a guy for a loss, like you know, it can you can get like it can get too granular. Like you can maybe that's like maybe pimping a, a single or pimping a walk. You know, yeah. like people people like I can sort of get like okay, we don't want celebrations in every single play or like a solo shot and you're down ten runs. Like there are time and places I think for these like things and for me. Clinching the NL East is the time to celebrate. No one's going to take it from them. Exactly. They clinched it and like act like you've been there. It's interesting because I was in Baltimore Monday and the Orioles are on the precipice of clinching a, a playoff spot, right? But do they celebrate? They have that weird, do you celebrate clinching a playoff spot? Or do you wait until you clinch the American League East? But what if you don't clinch the American League East? This is what happened to the Mets last year. If you remember, they clinched and they had a very muted thing because they were like, well, we're going to win the NL East. And then they totally cratered and didn't get that celebration. So I feel like you should celebrate. You should celebrate when you clinch a playoff yeah. spot. Because you don't know. Plus it's a game. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. And it's such a game of failure. that That's, that's another reason to celebrate. You know, it's like. There are so many times in baseball when you were just down. You know, you've been O for whatever. You've had a month where you you hit 100 or whatever. You know, what I mean? like you. There are so many times when you're down, and there's so many people who measure, you know, the success of a team just based on if they won the World Series or not. Yeah. So that means that basically there are 29 losers every year. 
So yeah, celebrate when you make it because, you know, the likelihood is you may not celebrate again. Yeah. And, you know, this has been going on since February. So baseball is such a long sport that to me, like, this is a culmination of a lot of hard work and a lot of people. And make no mistake, I don't think, maybe this is a crazy opinion, I don't think we're even halfway through the reign of the Atlanta Braves. When you look at the ages of some of these guys that are part of this core, like, this is a juggernaut. An absolute juggernaut. Like, we're at the end, the tail end of this Astros reign, right? And then when you look below the farm system, you're like, oh, they're not going to be able to probably sustain this unless they get real lucky in free agency and trades. Uh, but you look at the way the Atlanta Braves are set up, it is nuts. I mean, all they've done is sign these young players to very team-friendly contracts. They go and they trade, you know, not they don't trade. They Well, they trade for Matt Olson, but they don't let Freddie Freeman, they let him go. It's a huge ordeal. Matt Olson is quite possibly just as good as Freddie Freeman and cheaper than Freddie Freeman. He sets a Braves record for home runs. He's having a season that I feel like more people should be talking about. Then you have Acuna uh, like right there in the MVP discussion. So you look at this Braves team and juggernaut is a good word, but also it's crazy to think that they are right at the beginning of what could be like a four, five, six year reign not just in the NL East, but in baseball. I mean, they are so good. We don't even talk about them very much on this show because it's almost like boring to be this good. It's like, well, there go the Braves again, winning the NL East. Like, here's the Braves. They're still good. Still got a great young core. It is absolutely fascinating when you look at how that team is set up and also what they've done around Truist Park in kind of creating that whole battery and the way they've been able to make money off of all that land. Now every team wants that too. The Braves... Are they the model franchise when you look at the stadium situation and you look at the roster situation? Are we not giving them enough credit for maybe being the best franchise in baseball right now? It's pretty amazing. The one thing I'm surprised that they actually went over the luxury tax this year. I thought that they were under that, but uh, they they still have they have money coming off the books next year, and they can they can you know go spend again. Um, you know, in terms of uh, Eddie Rosario coming off, uh, you know Charlie Morton being a club option, uh, Colin McHugh, Kirby Yates, uh, Brad Hand. So they're you know you know that represents thirty or forty million dollars that they could spend in in the off season if they if they decline those options. And so they've got this really great core, uh, and they've got some flexibility around it. They are bringing cash in, so there's no reason to think that they can't keep spending at this level. Um, and, uh, I, I love a lot of the things they do. And one thing that stands out for me is they are on pace to tie the major league record for team home runs. And it's interesting because that team, that record uh, is from 2019 when we had the rabbit ball and this year's ball does not fly as well. And yet they are on pace right now for 307, 308 homers. Like I think 307 is the record. So they'll be right there where they might pass the record on the last day. Uh, and they'll do it without the benefit of the rabbit ball. And I asked Matt Olson about this when they were in town recently. And, and I said, why are you guys so good? Why are you guys hit so many homers? Um, you know, is it because you prepare better than any other team or, you know, what is it? And he said, he said, no, I mean, yes, we prepare well, but I think that one of the things that is true is that we are different. Uh, each of the players on this team has different strengths. We hit different balls. Well, you know, we have high ball hitters. We have low ball hitters. We have free swingers. We have more disciplined guys. And so there's no one way that you can attack our lineup and say, 
you know, oh man, you know, I, I once talked to Chris Young, who's now the GM for the, for the Rangers. And I said, aren't you afraid to throw high fastballs when you throw like 88, you know, uh, are, are those homers? And he, he went through the lineup for those A's back then. And he was like, uh, he was like low ball hitter, low ball hitter, low ball hitter, low ball hitter, Coco crisp. I got to worry about him. Low ball hitter, low ball hitter, low ball hitter, low ball hitter. So, you know, those guys can be pitched to, and maybe that was part of why, you know, some of those A's teams went out early. But these, this Braves team is just really diverse in terms of their approach. Uh, and so it's there's no easy out no matter who you are. If you're a sinker baller, there's somebody's going to get you. If you're a high fastball guy, there's somebody's going to get you. You know, that's an interesting point because we talked about how the Rays have done such a good job in in previous years of having a diverse bullpen because it makes it really tough yeah. to to match up, right? Because they've got like an answer for everything. But having it, you're right. you're saying now, and what I haven't thought about is having a diverse lineup really helps you because you can't pitch them one way. Every guy is different. And so if you're a starter, you're going through and you're like, okay, I feel good about this guy and maybe this guy and this guy, but this guy and this guy, like my wheelhouse is their wheelhouse, right? So it's my best versus your best. And um, it just mm. makes for, you know, a really laboring experience to try to get through these lineups. Like they just don't have, a, like you look at this Braves team, like they just don't have a whole lot of holes, yeah. especially offensively. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, pitching wise, uh, the bullpen, you know, has his strengths and his weaknesses. Um, you know, the rotation, they've been really trying. They've been bringing a lot of young guys up and, and they may have that depth. But, you know, when you get into a into a postseason series, you can you can shrink that down. It doesn't matter as much right. who your five starter is or whatever. So uh, it seems like St- St- you know, Strider got right uh, in their clinching game. Uh, he was he was great. He showed uh, great command, at least the velo wasn't. Uh, quite his A plus velo, but uh, and he early on he had some fumbles with the command, but once once he got going, he was vintage Strider. So I think they've got an ace, they've got a number two and a, and a number three, and uh, so in a short series they're going to be really hard. I, I can't. They're definitely the prohibitive favorites for the World Series. Yeah, I don't think that there's even like a close second. But like, no. I mean, <laughs> the, the Dodgers rotation problems, yes. like you know, they're not. Yeah. No, that really Urias and Kershaw, like they've got a bunch of issues. Bueller. Um, when you look at it though, you know, you've said before you grew up a Braves fan. There's a whole generation of Braves fans around the country because they were on TV. Like, are these that could we be seeing now in the midst of like another like 1990s kind of Braves mini mini mm-hmm. dynasty, right? We we could very well be in the middle of that. This one's very different. Yes. This one's very different. Yes. This is not built on pitching. Yeah, you there's know. no no Maddox uh, Smoltz we'll, we'll, answers. Yeah. We'll get it. We'll get into some of the stuff I actually remember from uh, from those days. Uh, but uh, you know, this is uh, this is a mashing team uh, that uh, that has good enough pitching to to make it work. So uh, as opposed to a team that was built on pitching and defense. But uh, we'll see. You know, one of the things that people ask about what does well in the postseason, and when I've looked, uh, I found in fact that that hitting. Uh, is more correlated to postseason success than pitching. So, you know, there's a whole adage of like pitching and defense wins championships. And and I'm not sure that's true. You can slug your way to championships too. Crazy. I mean, speaking of... Like, remember those nationals, right? Oh, that team was crazy. Speaking of celebrations... I mean, they had like three good pitchers or four good pitchers and they managed to to, to make it through. They trusted five pitchers, including their bullpen and their rotation. Five pitchers they trusted. And they did it. They did it, which is remarkable. And you're right. A lot of it was their lineup. A lot of it was their starting pitching going so deep that they didn't really need relievers, right? Like, I don't... 
Right. Reese, you know, recent history, you got five and dive guys all the time in, in these starts, but that didn't happen with the Nats. Guys were going seven, eight innings. One, because Davey trusted them. Two, because Davey had to trust them. He had two relievers there in the bullpen. And no other options. It was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about like well, celebrations. Like yeah. I have such a vivid memory of Steven Strasburg, who is so painfully shy. He like won't even walk by and say hello to you. I have a vivid memory of him dancing in the clubhouse with Gerardo Parra and they're hammered, right? And they're just dancing and like, this is a guy like letting loose. So these celebrations are so cool for that moment. Exactly. You know, like these are moments you're never going to see again. I have a, I have a big memory of Charlie Morton crying uh, after they won uh, with the national, with the Astros uh, and, you know, crying because he's so happy for his teammates. Yeah. I was like, you're, you're a good yeah. person. So <laughs> Max Scherzer, I also remember him on the big stage when they won the world series with the nationals in 19, like crocodile tears, just like so emotional. No one loves to win more than him. That brings me to our next unfortunate topic, which is Max Scherzer hmm. done for the season. He had tricep issue in his last start. I, I, you know, I said this yesterday uh, on the foul territory podcast, but I truly believe that Max can pitch through almost anything. But when you're talking about an arm, there's no way around it. Like he pitched around a hamstring. He pitched around a back in the world series in 19. He couldn't move his neck and was able to get enough work done, but there's no pitching around a tricep. He break his, he's the guy who broke his nose yes. in, in, in uh, batting yeah. practice and didn't miss his well, start. It was like <laughs> in between the double header. And then he started like, he basically looked like yeah. Rocky and he's out there throwing. Yeah. He's like, I'm fine. Um, no, but I, I, I tore my Terry's minor and he, he has a, a Terry's major issue. And uh, yeah, it's like you just can't. It's like it's super painful and you don't have the same just on the same force. He would he would throw like a 85 mile an hour fastball, I'm pretty sure. So which is unfortunate yeah, not a good because idea. he had actually, you know, he wasn't very good with the Mets. Then the Met then that, you know, the Mets have their fire sale. Texas gets him, and he actually had been pitching better with Texas than he had in New York. And so, and he's also a guy who, you know, as you know, is an ultimate competitor. He rises to the moment. So you felt like, okay, we get this guy and we get into the playoffs. And for Texas, you know, they're fighting right now to be in the playoffs. They they were such runaway favorites. Then they they nosedived. Now they're kind of on the climbing back up the roller coaster, right? They've won, I think, five straight as we tape this on Thursday. And to me, this is a huge blow. I mean, even if he wasn't throwing well, and he was, Max Scherzer's a guy you want on your team in the playoffs. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough because they may be able to survive with some decent depth, uh, given you know uh, the acquisition of Jordan Montgomery and Nate Eovaldi coming back and Dane Dunning kind of breaking out. But Dunning's kind of you know, uh, not pitching as well recently. Uh, and even though they have a top five, it doesn't necessarily uh, help them to to shrink it down to to three in a in a postseason series. Like I was talking about the Braves, right? Uh, in fact, their their five are kind of more interchangeable, especially with Eovaldi throwing ninety three miles an hour now. Uh, I don't even know how I would order these guys uh, if I had three games. Um, I think I would be kind of like everyone is on deck. Whereas if I had Max Scherzer, I'd be like, okay, we'll start with Max Scherzer and then we'll figure everything else out after that, you know? Um, so this is a this is like, you know, can we make it to the end? It's not a we're coming like lions into the postseason. Uh, it's more like can we limp our way into the postseason 
uh, and find a way to make some noise because they still could with the bats. Uh, but it, it would be surprising to me if uh, a team with a, a front three of Jordan Montgomery, John Gray, and Nate Evaldi uh, won it all, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. I think when you look at the Rangers and you look at this pitching situation, it seems like Houston is now probably going to win the AL West. They have the easiest strength of schedule moving forward. They're in first. They've gone on a little bit of a run here. They used that window. The Rangers opened, right? So did Seattle to kind of catch up all that ground. And then you look at the Rangers and you're like, okay, we were a little worried about the pitching earlier in the year. Now they're now they're down Scherzer. Even if they get into the postseason, are they set up to make a, a deep run in your mind? Yeah, I don't know. I think we 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 may remember this team as the rabbit of of the season. You know, just the the team that that looked like it was hit firing on all cylinders and had the ace pitching it needed and the lineup it needed. It had the best run differential in the first half and, you know, just look like a, 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 like a total juggernaut of a team that was ascending to its place because they had, you know, put this in place by, you know, the spending and then the young guys were coming in and it looked like it was all come together. And it's uh, amazing how fast things can fall apart. Um, I don't know that, are are we going to put this like, you know, I remember, uh, you know, uh, collapses so i remember the padres collapse uh, a couple years ago yeah. um uh what was it was it the the mets with the phillies uh you know near the end of the season there was the um there have been some collapses in fact uh i was just looking this up uh one of the ones that i remember most vividly from being a, a kid was in 1993 uh, the Braves uh, overtook the Giants, and I think they they uh, overtook them on the last day of the season, and they finished the season fifty five and nineteen to win the National League West, which is a little strange. Uh, but uh, they won the National League West. It was like on the last day or the second to last day of the season, uh, and came back from thirteen games back. So that was that was a pretty pretty big collapse too. So I don't know where I put that in this group if they don't make the playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, one of the Blue Jays, Rangers, and Mariners is not going to make it. You know, it's two of those teams. And those three teams are all quality teams. But, you know, if the Rangers are the ones that don't make it, I'm not sure I put that collapse on that level because it's not so precipitous. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like, oh, with two weeks left of the season, they were, you know, division winners and then they were out. But it is, uh, it is something that I will remember like that. You know, uh, it is, it is the sort of rabbit of the season. Yeah, that's fair. It's really interesting. Is it fair to call them a collapse if they don't make it? Because we're not going to say that about Seattle. We're not going to say that about Toronto, right? Like it just doesn't exist for the other teams. But because the Rangers were so good so early, and there has been a lot. It's not, you know, it's not just the pitching. There's had, there's been injuries, right? There's, there's been a lot of issues that have led to this. But this is going to be a huge disappointment if they somehow don't get in or if they get in and they get eliminated quickly because they've been pushing their chips to the middle, right? They did it even a couple off seasons ago when they win, they signed Seager, you know, and they made these big moves thinking we're going to be good soon. And then this year at the deadline, they're like, oh, we'll take Scherzer from you. You know, they, they trade Ronald Acuna's brother and, and no one really knows how good that guy's going to be. And everyone's like, the Rangers are going for it. 
So to do that and to either miss the playoffs or to go to the wild card round only, I think would feel like a large disappointment to Rangers fans who really haven't had that run of success since they went to the the World Series, those back-to-back years. They're still looking for their first World Series win. And this feels like yeah. the window, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, if, if you want like a little bit of bright, uh, you know, news in, in this for the Rangers is that uh, they do have DeGrom and Scherzer under contract next year. And there is a, a, a chance at better health. I mean, you're, you're kind of rolling the dice and, and hoping for better health uh, from that crew uh, every season when, you, when you've got older pitchers like that. So, yeah. um, you know, maybe uh, late next season, DeGrom comes back and, you know, can pitch two or three innings at a time or whatever it is, and, and Scherzer makes it uh, through. You know, it's not a question for Scherzer of like, uh, I think he's, pretty good still when he's in it's just a question of when he's going to be healthy you know it's like you know is he going to be healthy like maybe you could do stuff next year where if you are winning you just sit Scherzer or start skipping him or whatever just to lighten his load do some like star load management uh on your on your on your pitcher to try and keep him healthy for the stretch run so um you know pitching is one of those weird things where like you don't want to like you don't want to sit him because then they they get out of practice, they get they get out of out of uh, out of athleticism and out of their ability to, to pitch even. But you also you know maybe just reduce his pitch counts and try to get him to the end of the season healthy. There's those two guys are still with the Rangers next year, and so it's it's not doom and gloom and this is the end. But yeah, uh, I would I would remember them as as kind of you know the rabbit of the year at least. Yeah, but Degrom's not coming back till deep into 2024 like August and Scherzer's still getting older. Yeah. So you're right. They have these two great pitchers who when they're healthy is great, but when they're healthy is a big deal, right? It's a, it's a bigger deal mm-hmm. and a higher bar than you know, two younger guys. Right. So when Jacob DeGrom is healthy, he's the best pitcher in baseball. And I don't think there's a whole lot of debate when he's healthy and firing, mm-hmm. but we just haven't seen him very much. Is he, yeah. you know, is he Sandy Koufax? You just aren't sure, right? So I don't know. It's very interesting. Uh, one more quick thing I want to get to before we get into the really fun part of the show. Big, big series as we tape this tonight, Thursday. Uh, the Orioles lose the series to the Cardinals, the lowly Cardinals who, you know, I think have they been eliminated? They're like right there, if not. They're like right on the fritz. Um, yeah. They lose two of three. Now they welcome in the Rays. And they're two games up on the Rays for a four-game series. This is probably going to decide the American League East. If, if it doesn't totally decide it, obviously, because you have two and a half weeks left of the season, these games, because they're worth double, are going to go a long way in determining who wins, right? If the race take three or four, we got ourselves a, we got ourselves a race here. They're going to overtake the lead. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and vice versa. Now, if they split, it gets a little hairy. But how, how are you viewing this? Is the AL East Baltimore's to lose? Or do you think Tampa can make a real run here despite – missing so many key components to what they thought their team was going to be. Yeah, the the numbers have kind of always favored uh, the Rays and, uh, uh, you know, throughout the season. And now it's come to such a small sample that uh, the projections do have the Orioles winning 100 and the Rays winning 98 at the end of the season. Um, but uh, you flip one or two games and, you know, you got a tie, yeah. right? So uh, this is this is going to be uh, really fun. 
I think the, the, one of the reasons why uh, things have lined up a little differently now is the Rays end with the Blue Jays uh, six times uh, to end the season out of their last eight, um, and then the Red Sox the other two. Yeah. So it's not an easy schedule for them to finish with. The Blue Jays will be fighting for their playoff lives. There's not going to be any, uh, for the Rays, there's not going to be any, you know, oh, we got the hangover lineup or the we got the all the kids in the lineup, right? Even those Red Sox are, are playing decently. Uh, so their schedule is not, is not cake. Uh, the uh, Orioles uh, get instead the Guardians and Nationals and Red Sox to finish the season uh, after uh, after these next games. So they've got the Rays and the Astros, but then they finish really easy. And I think that's that sort of schedule stuff is why uh, the Orioles are now favored to, to, to win the division. So I think the Rays, in some aspects, may need a sweep Ooh, to four games put like sweep. a little buffer. Well, they need to put a little buffer like they need to or at least like. But see, if they went three and one, then they're just tied. And then the Orioles still have an easier schedule. A sweep, they get up ahead and they can win. They can lose a couple games, you know. And and so uh, that's why I think the Orioles are still the favorite. That makes sense. Interesting. Should be a really good matchup. Should be a really interesting series. Um, there'll be There'll be some really good games from here until the end of the season. But that's one that. I think people should circle if they don't have anything going on. Uh, Adam Jones is getting tomorrow on Friday. They're going to sign him to a one-day contract, retire him as an Oriole. Um, so should be should be a really interesting time. I'll certainly be there at some point over the weekend as well. Um, you know, let's. I think yeah, Adam is is has been uh, was a pleasure to cover. Yeah, uh, and I think you agree with me on that. Is that. Um, you know, one, he reminds me a little bit uh, of Tommy Pham, where he says what he what he means. You know, he's he's he he doesn't he's not afraid to say things, yeah. um, which I think is is something that is amazing for us as writers because there's so many people who don't say anything yeah. um, and are afraid to say anything. And uh, he's just on a you know I said this about Pham, he's unapologetically uh, unapologetically himself. I think the same for Adam, where he's just this is who I am and I represent myself and you know I'm I'm willing to talk to you about it and also. Uh, he's a little bit nicer than than Fam, so you know Adam. Adam was a uh, was, was a nice smile and a, and a good guy in the club. Yeah, yeah, a really good guy, and and still really considered an Oriole at heart. Even though he ended his career in the big leagues here in Arizona, then he goes to Japan. So should be a nice moment. I agree with you. If any players are listening to this, we appreciate when you speak your mind. Really, we really yeah, appreciate totally. it. Uh, <laughs> speaking of speaking our mind. We're going to get into, in our minds, what this 2023 season encapsulates because I was reading an interesting article the other day too, you know, that said, could this be the best baseball season ever? And it kind of went over a lot of the, I know. And it's really hard because I think every season is different. So in some respects, it's apples to oranges, right? Um, But you look at this year and I'm going to go first. And I mentioned this earlier, the new rules immediately made this game better. I not once mm. this year did I say like God, this game is taking so we're in like three and a half, four hour territory because we just didn't have those games. You know, mm-hmm. there were more balls put in play. You saw some guys have better years offensively because of that, especially the lefty pull guys because of the no shifts and things. Um, and so I mm-hmm. think the new rules, and I think watching more stolen, I like yeah, stolen watching bases. the stolen bases, 
Super fun, a great element for people, maybe even casual fans. I think people who aren't nitty-gritty baseball still appreciate the art to the stolen base and the excitement of, oh, is he going to make it? Is he going to beat the throw? I think he got his hand in there, mm -hmm. you know, that whole thing. So I'm going to start with the new mm -hmm. rules as something that we're going to remember and something that's going to set oh, this yeah. apart as a, as a really great baseball season. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if uh, a sort of a great pennant race is what is missing from this. Uh, like I mentioned, I remember that Atlanta uh, pennant race. And, and I wonder if that's just uh, something we won't have as much anymore because of the so many wild cards. Yeah. Right? It's Now it's a wild card race. And so now you're kind of looking at, oh, it's three teams and two are going to get in or it's five teams and three are going to get in. You know, it's a it's a more complicated math. You know, when the Braves were chasing the Giants, it was just those two. That's all that mattered. Only one of them was going to make it. Only one of them was going to win the division. And so it was just really intense in terms of, you know, the the quotes that were coming out of both teams, the just the intense scrutiny, you know, the teams talking about, oh, that team didn't feel their best lineup and that's unfair and they're getting to play this. And, you know, it's like, you know, there was a real, like just a real mono e mono kind of uh, uh, thing where it's just these two teams. Whereas I think with the wild card, uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, was it uh, uh, 2011? Yes, game one sixty two. I do remember that. Yeah, I remember that. I was like, was that the first? That was the first year of the wild card, was the or, first, or no? The, I think it was the first year that was it extra wild card. It was one of the years where all of the games they decided had to start at the same time, which I think is one of their better ideas yeah. in recent years, because I just remember yeah. watching. I was at the Orioles at the time. They were playing the Red Sox. And the Red Sox should have made the playoffs or thought they were gonna, right? And then you have the Rays game going on concurrently at the same time. And um, so the wild card has created some drama in that sometimes we 162 have, matters. Yeah, we have, we, have a, we have a potential for that, I think, in the NL, right? Yeah. Like there are five teams that are in it. It's really like there's a lot of teams that are in it that are within one game. So we have that potential a little bit. I remember 2011, though, was on the extreme end because we did get some game 163s even out of that, right? Like, it was yes. it was so tight that, like, you know, there was going to be baseball the next day. And I remember I went with David Appleman to, uh, to a, a bar in New York, and we went to a bar that had, like, every game on. And the, the, the thing that was so schizophrenic about it was he didn't know where to look. You know? <laughs> like, it's like, oh, that game, but then that game, but then that game. Yeah. But that was... That was super exciting. I don't know if we'll we'll get on that level, but that's something I remember that we still have the potential uh, of getting this year. So that's I think that's a good example of where if this is one of the best team seasons ever, we will want something like that yeah. where we remember we remember a final day, if we remember a wild card race, we remember some sort of pennant race. Wild cards kind of you always a lot of times I think come down to the wire at the AL West, maybe the division race you're pining for. I know it's still that mm -hmm. the second place team goes to the yeah. It, it's like a virtual tie, uh, though. but yeah. yeah, it's like three three teams at the top there. It's really interesting, right? That one of those teams is not going to make it, and so like you are these like make no mistake, these teams want to win the division, right? No one wants the wild card slot, so there is some intrigue there. You're right; it's not as good as like you know you either win the division or you're home in October, right? That. Yes, definitely adds a certain element, but about as close as we could get now. Though. But to have it be a case where, as we sit here and record, Texas is back by a game of Houston, Seattle is back by a game and a half. Which, I mean, 
we are talking. That's going to be yeah, tight. We're talking razor thin here. So it's going to be it's going to be really interesting. And then, of course, L.A. and Oakland have they, fallen off. Totally off. Yeah, the uh, what one of the you know the Mariners is a, is a good example of something else that I remember from really good seasons are just really standout singular performances and uh, in, in big moments. And so uh, Julio Rodriguez uh, over you know uh, let me see where what I've got for him. Uh, I've got a, a thirty month uh, a thirty week stretches out here, and he had. Um, you know, it's just ending right here. So from August 5th to uh, September 11th, he had 105 total bases. Uh, and it's one of the best 80 streaks uh, in, in the wildcard era. So, you know, and, and that doesn't even get it right completely because all these streaks, like, because they're 30-day streaks, Matt Kemp's 2011 shows up three times, right? Because there's the day, you could do the day before, you know what I mean? Like you could do this day to this day, or you could do the next day to the next day, you know? So, you know, it's really one of the best sort of 30 or 25 streaks uh, of all time. And uh, it's been why the Mariners have come roaring back in this race, because they have good pitching. Uh, they have a really great bullpen. Their defense is, is decent. But Julio Rodriguez's offensive output has kind of put the team on his shoulders. And it's one of those kind of really amazing uh, stretches. I say that, but I then looked at the list uh, of these amazing stretches. And I can't say that I really remember all of these stretches. I, I feel like maybe... T- Players just go hot and we forget about it. I don't know. So let me just read you some of the, the the best stretches of all time. The best stretch of all time is 119 total bases in 2000. Uh, it actually spans two seasons. So maybe that's why we don't remember it. It's Richard Hidalgo. So uh, Richard Hidalgo uh, had a great September, basically, for Houston in 2000. I don't remember that. Uh, Charlie Blackman uh, is on this for a 2019 uh, stretch. And I guess I remember him being good in 2019, but that was the rabbit ball. You know, I feel like everybody was. And then there's some stretches here that we do remember. Sammy Sosa's 1998. Barry Bonds' 2001. Sure. Like, those are, those are, those are the great stretches of, of all time. Um, and then there's one this year that was better than Julio Rodriguez. And I told you who it was, so I can't play the guess who it was game, but the other guy we're going to remember from this season. Who's the singular guy whose season we were all talking about all season that we're going to remember this year, Shohei Otani. He had a better 30-game uh, 30, 30 stretch at some point this season than Julio Rodriguez. And um, so Otani, though, is just one of those – it's almost like Andrew Dawson MVP season where it's just – Sad. I was gonna say <laughs> it's the sad yeah. part of the season, you know. Yeah, like is this? Do we look back on twenty twenty three? I hope not. It's the last time we see him pitch and hit. Yeah, that I would also make twenty twenty three a standout baseball season, right? Like, this is is this the last time we see this? I think everyone is hoping not, but I think everyone is also pretty much expecting next year to not him to not pitch. Right. In some capacity, he's going to have to be rehabbing. Does he return to pitching? Does he become a reliever? We could talk about this for hours, and I'm sure we will this winter when we have nothing to talk about. But, you know, it. this could be it. This could be the last time we see him start and hit. And you're right. Even by Otani standards, he had some ridiculous stretches this season. Mm-hmm. 
So. Yeah, and I wonder, I wonder, uh, you know, uh, there's also the funny thing about memory is we're going to misremember things about this, especially if we're talking 10, 15 yeah. years out. Like, uh, I have this uh, distinct memory of sitting uh, with my dad watching the, the Braves play the Giants in 2002. Uh, and my dad the whole time is going, uh. <laughs> mocking me because he knew that I had spent so much time in Atlanta growing up and I was a Braves fan and I was like so annoyed with him and my memory is that Barry Bonds hit like three walk-off homers in that series and just demolished the Braves and like and me being like geez Barry Bonds really is like the best of all time and I looked back and he didn't hit a single walk-off in the series it was all in your head I don't it was all in oh, my head. Incredible. He hit uh, he hit the three homers, but I couldn't have seen all three. Two of them were in Atlanta, yeah. uh, I think. And so I saw one of those homers, and it was in the sixth inning or something. And I, <laughs> I know, like, so I wonder, like, we're gonna are we gonna misremember feats for Julio Rodriguez? Like, Julio Rodriguez had that great uh, home run to tie. Uh, to tie a, a game recently, we sent it into extra innings where it was like three inches off the bottom of, of the of the strike zone. He just lifted it to straight center. I bet you people are going to remember that he won that game. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're probably right. I mean, there's there's always things in a season that I think we either take for granted or we like forget. Like Bryce Harper came back from Tommy John surgery in a crazy quick amount mm. of time, and. I mean, right. he had, and then didn't hit homers for and, a while. And now, and now he's hitting like clutch home runs normal. again, right? Trey Turner stunk for most <laughs> of the year and is now back doing like ridiculous things. So will we just totally forget those slumps. Y- yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll be like, yeah, Bryce Harper came back from Tommy John. He was fine. He hit it, 30 homers that exactly. year, right? The one thing I think this season is missing is there hasn't been as much dominant starting pitching. And maybe that is just the way this game is going now. Or the, or rules. the rules. But you look at the NL Cy Young. Eh. Right, like there are, there have been some good seasons by pitchers, but we're not seeing. This certainly isn't going to go down as like the year of the starting pitcher at all. When you look at, yeah, we don't have we don't have anybody in the Cy Young race whose ERA starts with a one. No, you know? no one's having. Uh, just... We've had that in the past. Yeah, you know, and, uh, and and as dominant as Garrett Cole has been, he's done it with a, a lower strikeout rate than usual. Uh, so his, you know, his wins above replacement at least isn't as dominant as, uh, his ERA is. Um, I think he's the, the, the favorite there. I'm not supposed to talk yeah. about that, uh, too much. Uh, but on the NL side, I think it's, it's pretty wide open. Yeah. Three man um, race kind of. I think, I think Snell's going to take it. Um, because the difference in like, you know, Spencer Strider has the, the wins above replacement title, but with a three, seven, three ERA versus steals two, four, nine and Snell's two, four, three. I think that, uh, you know, people are still going to hew closer to the ERA, uh, than the wins above replacement there. So I think it'll be mostly between steel and Snell. And then Snell has just so many more strikeouts, uh, than steel that I think that's how it'll go. Uh, but you're right. None of those is like, ah, that's the guy. He's the guy who won it. He's one of, this is one of the best pitching seasons of all time. Yeah, we're going to totally forget about, we're going to be like, who won the Cy Young in 2023? I think on both sides, we're just going to kind of totally forget uh, about this because with Kara Cole, the Yankees are bad, right? They're going to miss the playoffs. So, so it's just going to kind of be a forgettable season in New York. Like if he, 
And in fact, if Snell wins it, it's kinda, yeah. it'll be kind of similar too, where it's like, oh yeah, they rode the back of him to making not making the playoffs. Right. So to me, the one, if I'm looking at memories, the component that's missing that's making 2023 like a season for the ages. It had you know had some great standout performances. It had the new rules, as we mentioned, like some you know there's going to be some interesting stuff pennant race and wild card wise. But the pitching side, the starting pitching side, is this what we're going to get from now on? Is this what starting pitching is becoming? Or is this just a case of we've lost so many stars? So many stars were down this year. So I don't know. Yeah. Right? It's really interesting to think one, about. Yeah. And one one last thing that I think about when when I think about what I remember from a kid and, and remember from uh, seasons past is I really remember uh, a trio of players in the Braves that – uh, we're very good. Um, I mean, I just like they 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 had their place in history and they've had their time. And I hope I'm not offending anybody, but like Jeff Blauser, Mark Lemke, Lonnie Smith, um, these are three players that uh, were role players, and um, you know were just part of the team and and did some things well. Mark Lemke uh, was able to get on base a little bit, and I think his defense was pretty solid uh, for a second baseman. Uh, Jeff Blauser uh, had some better seasons uh, where he was actually kind of an offensive force, but he topped out at 17 homers, you know, uh, and was just like kind of a a, a good-ish shortstop that had some really good years. Uh, Lonnie, Lonnie Smith was amazing. Uh, a, a Twitter follower reminded me of this. Uh, you know, Lonnie Smith in that, uh, what was it, that uh, in 1989 season for the Braves, uh, hit 315 with 21 homers and 25 stolen bases. His otherwise uh, career high, other than that season in homers, was nine. Um, and so he was just like this pop-up star that, you know, helped the Braves uh, to, you know, become relevant again. Um, and so I was trying to, like, zoom around this year and be like, who are some role players that uh, people will remember uh, this year? And... I'm not really. I'm not really sure uh, who they are. Um, uh, who did I? I had somebody for the Cubs, Mike Talkman. Uh, you know, oh, as like a guy okay. who came in when they they needed someone um, to uh, and, and and didn't have you know overall the the hugest season in the world, but you know was was very uh, useful uh, for for the Cubs this year. Um, I'm trying to think of of other guys that have popped up and really given uh teams what they needed uh we may may have to get some off of off of twitter um but uh is there anybody that comes to mind for you role player wise ryan o'hearn no one's giving that guy enough credit Yes, Ryan O'Hearn. That was on my list, gonna, too. Oh, yes, you look so confused. I'm like, I think I was playing the game right. Uh, yeah. No, I just didn't hear it the um, first time. I'm just having some internet issues. Yeah, Ryan O'Hearn. That's a yeah, good one. Yeah, just guys who you're like, oh, yeah. Like, like listen, I, as I said, I live close to Baltimore. So I think when you, you're looking at a good team, everyone always loves the Rutschmans and the Hendersons. But then you look at who's actually having a really good year. Ryan O'Hearn. Is having a really good yeah. year, so that's what's fun. And stepped in when they needed yeah. him. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's a guy who's benefited from the no shift because he's a pull guy. Um, he's tweaked a little bit with his batting stance, and they've done a good job of platooning him um, so that he really is always in favorable matchups. Uh, but when you watch these good, you watch these good teams. Isak Paredes, great season. Tampa Bay people aren't really talking about him, right? You, I love looking at the good teams. 
and seeing below the stars. Like who's having a good year that only the people in the fan, people that are watching them every night appreciate. The right? twins, I think the twins have a have a couple like this. Uh, Willie Castro has 31 stolen bases for oh, them. Wow. Uh, and he's above average. Kyle Farmer has, has been basically average with a bat, but you know, plugged in, played wherever he needed. And then Donovan Solano is like a, a singles machine. I mean, he, he's there. He's like their replacement for Luis Arise. Uh, he doesn't hit, you know, 380, hits 280, but, you know, he gets some singles when they need them. So uh, those, those are some, uh, some Mark, Mark Lemke, Jeff Blauser all-stars yeah. for you, if you like. Like blue guys, <laughs> like they need them. If they didn't have them, they'd be in trouble. But like, you're not going to go to the, the stadium and see like 50 people wearing their jersey. These are the guys. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, and, and then there might be a problem in San Francisco because the whole team might be, yeah. <laughs> might be made a glue. <laughs> As we pointed out, there are a bunch of no names. I struggle to know who's on that team uh, because that's how they do it. That's but how they do it. The glue, the glue on a glue team might be somebody like Blake Sable, who plays catcher, plays left field, has been uh, league average of the bat, stole some big yeah. bases, hit some big, uh, some big, uh, some big hits. Or maybe Lawant Wade Jr. that nobody knows who he is, but he has a 374 on base percentage, and his nickname out here is Late Night Lamont. I like so, it. So you know he's a he's a clutch hitter. He's just I think in this last series had you know uh, two walk offs basically uh, a walk off sack fly and a, and a walk off single. So um, you know those guys those guys especially if you're young and you're watching these games every day like I I I bet you my kids are gonna remember Lamont Wade Jr. more than most people because. Uh, my kid turned to me and was like, they're going to have to call him walk-off Lamont. So <laughs> like, yeah, today in the car. So I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. So everyone's got different memories. If you think of any, let us know in the comments. Tweet at us. I'm Britt underscore Giroli. Yeah, different types of memories yeah. too. Like different types of players, different types of performances. We kind of, we talked about big streaks. We talked about sad things, Teams collapsing, you know, uh, pennant races. You remember, like, there's all these different kinds of of things that we remember. Yeah. So I just thought that would be interesting to think about how we remember baseball. It's you know? really interesting. So yeah, let us know at Eno Saris is where you can find him on Twitter. You can read both of us uh, at the Athletic, theAthletic.com right now. Running a special, I believe it's two dollars a month. So get in on that if you're not subscribing. Should be a lot of stuff, especially because we're getting into the playoffs. Where stuff gets really juicy. You had a really interesting piece uh, with uh, was it is it Doug Wilder? Dave Wilder, yeah, yeah. Dave yeah. Wilder, that's that's really amazing. And and, and some people were like, "Oh, the fact that he's black has nothing to do with it." I'm sorry. Do you know that there was a whole scandal about kickbacks, and he's only one of yeah. many that got in trouble. You know, uh, we we have some breaking news. Breaking news. Heim Bloom just got fired. Wow. Damn. I really thought they'd give him another year, man, because, you know, I thought if they could get some starting pitching, this this team would be better. But that's all he got. That's the that's the chance he got. I mean, it's a it's a tough division. Uh, do you hate everything he's done? I know that uh, people hated the Mookie Betts trade. Um, you know, you kind of expected him to maybe get some pitching in in town quicker than this. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I would have given him another year myself if I was the owner. Uh, listen, they finished in last place three out of the four seasons that he took over. But it's last they're, place he, in the best division in but baseball. But they're the Boston Red like Sox, were... so I. That's They're the right. Boston Red That's Sox, right. and also not just the places. You know what trade has he won? What did he get for Mookie? Mm. Nothing. Look at the pieces he traded away. 
what trade could you say Bloom has won that trade? It's mm. one thing to be bad. It's another to say, are we getting better? And I think the question with the Red Sox was, we're, we're really not. They're, they're not. Mm. So it's a, it's in a really, they're in a really weird spot. And also they're the Boston Red Sox. I'm just interested to see what happens with Rafaela and, and Tristan Casas. And like, there's some young players on that team that are good. Sure. Mm. But I think organizationally, did he make it better over the last four years? He was supposed to come in and, and, you know, Dave Dombrowski set it on fire, but Dave Dombrowski wins. So he was supposed to make it better. You trade away Mookie Betts. Like the Nationals traded away Juan Soto. They jumped up their farm system. They they went from the worst to like way up towards the top. That's true. As little as I think yeah. of their player development, they got C.J. Abrams. Oh, they right. got you, you know Mackenzie they, Gore. They got Cabert yes. Ruiz. Like they got a lot of pieces. You can out say of those what trades. you want about Mike Rizzo and what they do on the player development analytics side. That deserves some scrutiny. But they make good trades. And it, if you look at yeah. High Bloom, they didn't really make any good trades. And none of their guys, like, all of a sudden magically got better there either. So mm-hmm. I think, like, I like Heim. He's a nice enough guy to deal with. But you're also in charge of the Boston Red Sox, right? Not the Kansas City Royals or a team in the Central. You don't get yeah, more years. You don't get, you don't get yeah, a lot of years. Yeah, it's win now. You had four yeah. years. Dave Dombrowski got fired after they yeah. won the World Series. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm sure there'll be plenty That's a of good coverage. Point. If you can get fired after you win the World yeah. Series, then you're not going to get much time when you come in yeah, there. Yeah, so I'm sure there'll be plenty of coverage up on The Athletic. We have two beat writers uh, that cover the team, do a terrific job. So if you don't subscribe already, now is the time to get in on that deal. Um, again, at Brit underscore Giroli on Twitter. He's at Eno Saris. Follow us. Let us know what you remember. Maybe we'll continue this during the winter because I know there's plenty more we can put in there as well. Uh, Derek Van Riper is on paternity leave. He'll be back here in a couple of weeks as well, making sure we stay on time and making sure this podcast is running smoothly. Derek, if you're listening, we miss you, but enjoy all that time with your family. So thanks so much guys for listening. We will see you next week. Always got the green light here. Green light.